Hello, this is Nono Martinez Alonso and this is the Getting Simple Podcast. Welcome to the Getting Simple Podcast. Getting Simple is about simplifying your life and doing less better. Today, I'm lucky enough to be able to spend some time talking to Julia Hayden. Hi. As always, the first thing I would like to do is to have you introduce yourself. It's almost the first out of seven uh, recordings I've done so far that um, in which the introduction is not going to start with I'm an I was an architect or I studied architecture and <laughs> architecture before. So I think I'm, I'm thrilled to, to have this opportunity and uh, let's see where we go. So if you could uh, tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you. Um, so I graduated from college two years ago and I studied environmental studies and botany. I work in operations. Um, I'm trying to make that more of a sustainable operations job, but unfortunately it's so busy that it's hard to make that ideal role happen. Um, it's also hard because my coworkers don't, it's not something that they would necessarily prioritize. Um, so yeah, that's been really interesting. Other than the work thing, I like to sketch and I like to play music sometimes. Do you have a specific, um, or can you think of a specific mission that you would have in your, that you would like to have with your career long term in terms of like sustainability or like botany yeah. or? Um, so I guess when I first graduated, um, I did think about landscape architecture as a career that would be a cool combination of botany and environmental studies, but the thought of three years of grad school really intimidated me and still does. So that's still an idea that I'm playing with, but it's just so hard to commit the expense and the time to a grad school that I'm not sure or to a career that I'm not positive that I would enjoy or feel fulfilled by or or even have the ideal path in that that I would expect for myself. Um I I would be afraid to get caught up in designing people's backyards or golf courses or um i guess the the wealthy's private land as opposed to my ideal path or even self that would try to get into the public um market for that kind of thing and i know that that's competitive and i've learned that in my job search so far that there are a lot of really passionate people out there and they're hard to compete with when I um, also kind of identify as a passionate person. Um, so I guess backtracking on that, I shouldn't feel that I need to compete with them. Um, I should join them and do more outside of work to send my life in that direction. But um yeah, I guess so far it's been intimidating to do that. So I'm I'm struggling with the career path thing at the moment. But I think that's what my ideal self would do. But I still have to figure out if I would enjoy the day-to-day -day of it um, in addition to the title and the mission. So what does your day-to-day your -day look like right now? I guess 20% of my job is just making sure that the office looks perfect. And um, I mean, it's a 1400 person office, roughly. Um, so there's just a lot that breaks that goes wrong, a lot of adjustments that are constantly needing to be made. Um, we work with our client, the client being all of the employees at that company to make sure that they're comfortable all the time to make sure that they have the right desk for them to make sure they have the right chair for them because we do care about things like ergonomics and and just making sure that they're happy day to day and that they're not not only are they not distracted by discomfort while they're working but also that they have fun things to look forward to I, another 20% is planning events so 
We have safety events. We have had a sustainability day for Earth Week. Um, We had a bike to work week that I was able to be a big part of. We have a take your child to work day, take your dog to work day. There's a ton of events that are being planned, again, just to try to make sure that the employees are happy and healthy. Is it part of your role there to engage in these kind of events or is it always also your initiative to like sustainability event or bike day or things like this? Is that something that comes from you or is it? Yeah, I am a part of coordinating all of these things. I'm also a part of the planning meetings, but people higher up than me are the ones who are actually making the decisions. So how is your life outside work? Um, It is very busy. I try to stay as busy as possible because I get bored um, when I'm just in my room watching TV or whatever. Um, That's both a good thing and a bad thing, I think. Sometimes I miss out on kind of the more impulsive things in life because I already have plans. Um, But also I love supporting the arts in the community. I go to a lot of shows. I try to meet new people all the time and say yes to mostly anything, which, yeah, results in a really busy life. So would you consider your life simple? No, (laughs) which is funny and ironic to be on this podcast. Um, Yeah, it's it's not simple. I don't feel that way at all. So, but it seems like it's also busy because you choose to, right? Because you think that being busy is an opportunity to not miss out on things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I almost feel like it's an obsession with not wanting to miss out on things, which is probably something a lot of people in our generation deal with. What's your generation? Right. <laughs> I am a millennial, as you may have guessed. But yeah, I mean, we're the age of social media, we're the age of. Hmm. Wow, I can't think of another thing. I was going to say independence, but I think a lot of previous generations were a lot more independent than we are. So do you have any uh, daily habits, that things that you just do repeatedly day after day and maybe you don't notice, but things that are embedded into your life and some of the people might not do? Yeah. <laughs> um, I bike or walk to work every day and that is something I really enjoy. I don't know if that's a habit so much as a necessity, but I guess I've made it a habit to never lift or Uber to work. So I feel good about that, um, both from a health, environmental, and m- like financial, all three of those aspects. Um, I guess other habits, we tend to talk about this a fair amount because you are a very habitual person. Um, I think in terms of your lifestyle, you're very good at having cleanliness habits, making your bed every day, putting things away. I am not great at that. I would say I'm trying to think of other habits. I mean, it's funny. There are so many like brushing your teeth. You know, that is something that's so ingrained in you from a young child. I definitely don't make my bed every day. I only make it if I know people are coming over. That's really the only time I clean my room too. I'm like the opposite of a simple liver. It's funny that I'm on this podcast. <laughs> well, uh, the the name of the podcast is Getting Simple. It's like aiming towards simplicity. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're already like the simplest person in the world. Like the- Right. Yeah, I, I, I have certain goals for myself for how to make my life more habitual and more simple. But I don't think it's in the desire to like make my bed every day or... I'm trying to think of other habits. I think I would love to meditate more. I would love to have that be a habit. I would love to really get a good workout. Three days a week would be great for my lifestyle right now. Um, I would love to dedicate one at least one day a week to volunteering somewhere, which is something that I have researched a lot of places to but haven't actually committed to. So that's something I would say as a habit. Um, but more on a weekly habit than a daily habit. So I guess, and none of these are really things to make my life more simple, but they're ways to make my life feel more fulfilled. And I guess if you're doing something every week, 
then in a way that does simplify your life because you're not having to think about, oh, what am I going to do this week and mapping out a schedule because you already have things planned. So it takes that maybe stress or anxiety away. Sometime back, um, you told me that you were kind of hoarding between simple living and not being able to get rid of things, right? Because of the consequences that that has and and that kind of internal fight. So what do, what do you think that plays? That, what role does that play in your day-to-day? Yeah, so this I feel very strongly about um, and is a big part of my day-to-day, especially living in a city. The thought of landfills or even burning trash, um, the chemicals that those produce, and the pollution, um, just the fact that we have one earth and that we're filling the ground with landfills is crazy. When you think about the whole life cycle of a product, there's human labor involved. Oftentimes, it's the workers aren't treated well. Um, you have chemicals that are involved dangerous chemicals often that are involved in the processing of the product. You have the shipment of the product from point A to point B where it's being bought and sold. You have money going into the product. You have resources that you can never get back again. And so for that to be then thrown away just is so frustrating to me. And so because of that, Um, because of constantly thinking about the whole life cycle of a product from start to finish, from production to landfill, I try to basically never throw anything away. I try not to buy anything new. Um, But this also results in me kind of hoarding, not being able to do a big clean of my room where I'm getting rid of things, or now in the case of where I work and especially in operations, um, throwing things away at work that are cluttering up supply cabinets and things. Whereas my coworkers want us to clean something. Cleaning doesn't mean dusting. It means throwing things away. Um, they'll order big dumpsters and it's horrifying to me because yes, broken chairs will be thrown out, but also so will perfectly good tables that we don't have anywhere to store. Um, yeah, it's and then I think of that on just the, the scale of the whole world and everywhere and the amount of waste is actually sickening. So yeah, that's that's kind of where that fight between wanting to live simply and have less, but then also never wanting to throw anything away. And so then saving it from either what other people are throwing away. Um, and I can see where people get in the habit of picking things off the curb, not only because maybe they want something free, but just because the thought of this perfectly good thing going in the dumpster um, and in a landfill forever is horrifying to them. Um, So I kind of have that as well. And luckily, I don't have a house to fill with things yet, but I need to figure out a way to have more. That would be a goal, I would say, either as a career or as a volunteering thing, is to have a network which already kind of exists on social media um, with buy nothing sites on Facebook and things, but so that a network so that people never, one, have to buy new things and two, have to throw things away and be wasteful. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea. I just think with marketing and advertisement and like everything with like all these clothing stores, we just get used to see like on TV, you would never see someone with like a, a t-shirt that is like has like holes on it or things like that but then we all get them right after some time they it happens or even your socks and stuff it doesn't mean you cannot wear them it means oh if i have to take my shoes off it has like some holes on it or something we're not it's not socially accepted right it's like oh you're sure you should just buy a new one it's just like five bucks or like 15 bucks what do you think about that i mean it's it's kind of a cultural thing also right Yeah, and we're not in a culture to repair things. Um, People don't typically... I mean, our shoes aren't made where we can take them to a shoe store and get them repaired. Sometimes they are, but not at all in the way that they used to be. And even if something can be easily repaired, a lot of times it's cheaper to get a new one than it is to go get it repaired. That goes for both technology, clothing, furniture, a lot of different things. 
well, I'm sometimes also you're surprised about how easy it was to fix something. And maybe, I don't know, you fix some shoes and they last you one more year or six more months. Right. Yeah, which is awesome. And I really, yeah, I wish that we were more in a culture to do that. Um, because, I mean, you don't have to walk around with like holes in your shirt. You can sew it or you can... I don't know, put a patch on it and make that trendy. (laughs) I don't know. I think there are ways that we can improve on not throwing things away just because they're broken. Um, But it is hard. I mean, you kind of went into fashion as well. And we're in a culture of also throwing things away, not just because they're broken, but just but also because they're not cool or fashionable anymore. Well, but look, I'm thinking of what you said. Look at the the fashion trend of like jeans that have holes on them. They sell them like that already. So if they, I mean, if you happen to have some really old jeans and they have holes on them, it's already, I mean, it's fine. Okay. But we're, we haven't seen a lot of those with t-shirts, for example. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's just an, I don't know. It's like a silly thing. Just they put it on, on H&M or Sarah or whatever. And right. then we all accept that that's valid. Yeah. No, it's so true. And it's funny because also vintage styles are really popular right now. Um, And you can hunt for vintage things in thrift stores um, or ask your mom or dad if they saved their old corduroys or their old jean jacket or whatever it is. Um, But also stores are producing clothing to look vintage, even though it's not. And so it's hard because. I just really wish that everyone had saved those things, um, kind of waiting for it to become fashionable again. But it's hard because that also takes up a lot of space. And I mean, I could like really spiral about this. I grew up in the suburbs, so we had a basement and an attic. We had space for my parents to store old things for then my my siblings and I to use in our first apartments, furniture, beds, etc. Not everyone has that luxury. And it's also way more sustainable to live in a small apartment than it is to live in a suburban house. So, I mean, the whole sustainability depression mind map is has a lot of branches for me and there's not really a perfect answer. So right now we're here in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and you mentioned some Facebook, I don't know, groups or pages that uh, move, um, I, I don't know what you mentioned as the movement, what's the name? Yeah, it's a. It's called a buy nothing movement. And and yeah, so my question is like, could you talk a bit more if you know more of like how that network looks online and also if there are analogs around Cambridge or maybe in the US or what what does that look like? Yeah, I would say in two platforms that I know of, one Craigslist, you can go on the free section of Craigslist and find a lot of random things that may be useful to you. Um, Probably a lot of really funny or weird things too, but that's entertainment in and of itself. So give it a look. Um, And the other more mainstream one I would say would be Facebook pages. So a lot of neighborhoods have a buy nothing Facebook page. I know that Cambridge does. And there are a lot of other random community sites that end up posting things. I think it's called Queer Exchange. Um, It's another Facebook group that I follow um, just for LGBTQ people in the Boston area. But often on that site, I would say probably 30% of the posts, if not more, are, hey, I'm getting rid of these clothing items. Does anyone want some it's free or it's I'm selling them for five dollars or whatever it is but um and it's for bigger things like furniture sometimes people post I don't know what else but a lot of useful things that you might have been looking for already and then all of a sudden you see it there and you're like oh wow I one can avoid like prevent this from going into the dump but also I'm saving money and also I'm fostering community because now I'm connecting with this person so I think there is a really good culture for that here in Cambridge. I don't know about other places around, but specifically in Cambridge, uh, I've been here for three years and I feel like it's really hard to get rid of something that you've been using for a while and you see it's not completely broken, it still works, but you don't have the time to sell it. But here in Cambridge, it's allowed to just put it on the street and 
maybe in half an hour you see that somebody's taking it so it makes you feel better because you know that you're not just trashing it just somebody else is getting your table or your bed or your chair or something so i think that cultural thing here that you're not going to get fined if you just leave something on the street and somebody else has to pick it up after a week if if nobody wants it yeah i think that's great and and also that reminds me of like moving places right like here in the summer a lot of people move and a lot i mean you see a lot of tables chairs beds because by contract the real estate has you remove everything that you have so the new uh the new like tenant comes and has like an empty space to fill with more crap right or new furniture so how do you think in your own experience um what does uh, moving from place to place, right, to a new apartment, for example, how does it influence you in keeping things or trashing or organizing your stuff? Um, I haven't had to move very much. I I went to college and used the college furniture and then lived at home for a little bit um, to save money. Then I lived in New Zealand and traveled with just a backpack uh, for six months Um, that was definitely a test in living minimally. Um, and then I moved to Boston. So I haven't actually, this has been my only semi-adult apartment where I've had to make decisions about what to take with me or leave. And I've also been lucky in that my mom has been able to keep my childhood home. So I've never had to make decisions about what to move out of my the house that I grew up in and what to take. Um, I do have friends whose parents make them take everything they want in life with them out of the house. And I have the luxury of having my childhood bedroom exactly as I left it. Um, Not a sustainable thing in some aspects, but definitely in terms of waste um, of stuff um, has been great because I didn't have to, yeah, make those decisions that come with moving free and limited uh storage for life yeah it really is (laughs) and what what does your ideal home look like um so i have kind of my ideal self home and then my realistic self home um i would love to be a person who could live in a tiny house but i also think that that is a huge commitment and would be very difficult if I decide to have a family um, with more than one child. Is that the ideal option? So no, that's my ideal self option. Like if I was a person committed to having zero impact on the earth, not that that would even be zero impact, but if I was more committed, um, my ideal self would do that. I would say my more realistic self would like to yeah, live as still as minimally as possible. Um, I don't know if I, I do love living in a city. I think I could live in a city and an apartment in for the long term. I don't know. I would love to not feel that I need a backyard and instead go to nature on the weekends, take hiking trips, um, use community parks and public spaces instead of thinking that I needed my own private one because that's where you get waste with land. And also not as simple of a life because you have to upkeep that land as well. You have to mow the lawn, you have to garden, you have to do all sorts of things. So I definitely, um, for my own home, would like to focus more on community spaces and minimal living and yeah i guess taking up space is something i'm going to be conscious about yeah for for people who don't know about it i mean it's really well known now i think but i i don't want to make assumptions so the tiny houses is kind of a movement now like that with i, I don't know how much but like with like 20,000 or 10,000 bucks you can start building like converting what would be um how how would you call it like a movable van yeah the rules i don't remember the act the exact square feet of the home but you have to be able to move it so it has to be on a trailer you could you can keep it at the same place for years and years and years but legally you have to be able to move it 
Yeah, um, because because there are places where it's legal to park them, and I mean, I also one point I would make is like maybe that's your ideal, but maybe it's not, and I think it would be worth renting one for a couple of months and see if that's for you or not. Because you don't need to build your... A lot of people just embark on that. They might have been sold already on the idea or they have tried before or not. But some people just say, I want to do the project of like building my own. And like, you know, it's like the the cheapest way also. Right now it's the the minimal. I get the the wood, I I assemble it and I just get a place to rent it. And at the end of the day, well, to rent it, I, I just pay some place to park it to actually be able to to leave it there. Yeah, I mean, and and not only that, but I think as opposed to the actual committing to building a tiny house, I think fortunately a lot of people are also taking the ideas behind the tiny house movement in architecture, in renovations, using those ideas to figure out how to maximize a small amount of space. So using lofted beds, using fold-down chairs and counters, um, and just figuring out how to waste less space. And I think that's really cool, even if you don't commit to the exact square footage. Well, this just reminded me, um, I recently went uh, with my girlfriend to one of the getaway dot house, uh, tiny houses. I mean, yeah. those are tiny houses. They're, uh, I think as an initiative or co-founded by somebody who studied at the Harvard GSD, mm-hmm. Um, they're like beautifully designed uh, cabins, which are like, as we said, you can tow them with a truck, like you can like move them. But uh, these guys have here in um, in the east of the of the United States, they have like certain um, uh, lots of land, and and they have these tiny cabins uh, spread around, which are look really nice. I'll, I'll put a link on the on the episode notes. And you basically pay for one night or as much as you want to rent it. And you have that. You have like a really minimal space. It's all wood. It's like a nice shower, water, and and the minimum you need to actually leave. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I, I think it's an amazing concept. Also, they have it in a, in a really isolated space on the woods. And they have built it around the concept, uh, around the concept that, that is really resonates with getting simple. It's about like there, there is a box for leaving your devices. So you mm. suppose if you want to follow like the getaway concept, uh, you need to kind of uh, switch off your phones and leave it on the lockbox until you leave. Uh, spend one weekend there, and there is like some activities that it guides you on like how to getting started to do some meditation or like walk around and be in relationship with nature. So I think I mean. It's not completely related, but I think the tiny house movement is also related with that, with kind of getting isolated from the city a bit, being a bit more autonomous, so you don't have to be using the resources from from the city. You have your own infrastructure. Yeah, I think those sound amazing, and I was very envious that you went to one. Um, Definitely a bucket list thing for me now after seeing the pictures from your trip. Um, And I think that that's really great. And it does, the minimalist thing is becoming kind of a trendy thing, um, as is meditation and getting into nature, which is amazing. And I think that's going to be really important um, with people moving forward, not just to simplify, but also to appreciate the small things in life and to not get distracted by all of the stimulation that we're bombarded with every single day. So how do you think that the relationship with nature actually improves our lives? Oh, so much. Um, yeah, I I don't even know how to put that into words. I just think it's important to know and appreciate where we have come from. I mean, we separate ourselves so much from nature, both physically with concrete and with buildings and also mentally because we don't we kind of forget that we are animals too and that we evolved to be this way and to build these things and to remove ourselves from nature so yeah i think even just going for like a short walk in a forest is so important because 
it reminds you that you're a part of this um, and not so removed from it. So how often do you experience nature or like what, what stuff for you? Yeah, I would say it's harder in a city, but I try to go to parks um, at least a few times a week. In Boston, I have recently gone to Jamaica Pond um, and the kind of Jamaica Way walkway. And that was really, really beautiful um, and kind of removed from traffic and people. Um, there are just a lot of little neighborhood parks that you can kind of lie in the grass and stare up at the trees and forget that there's cars and buildings all around you. It's easy to get into nature too if you focus on the intricacies of it instead of expecting to have this expansive forest, but focus in on like one leaf or one tree or one even squirrel or something. I mean, it's it's really all around us um, and you just kind of have to look for it. And I hope that it's, I would love for cities to prioritize natural spaces so that people don't have to look as hard for it but um but it is there and i would i definitely especially this summer would like to take more immersive camping and hiking and backpacking trips um and prioritize that because i know that it definitely brings joy to my life yeah me too i think i would love to do that so i wanted to come back to a topic that we talked about before about the landfill and like waste and like throwing things away. So uh, Cambridge recently gave us these really nice tiny containers for compost. Yes. So now we have um, we have three different containers that we can use. So we can use the recycling, the normal trash for like other waste and then compost now. Mm -hmm. How do you think this initiative is going to be an improvement or like what what aspects do you think are positive from this initiative yeah so many aspects um it's really exciting to me to see how much less waste we produce when you get rid of food waste and it makes you pay more attention i think to what can't be recycled or composted and then all of a sudden you're noticing the wrappers and the unnecessary packaging um that come with just living in America and in the world um, because you're focusing more on what doesn't have to go in the trash. And composting is just the greatest thing ever because you can reuse your food waste to grow more food. And, and it not only that, but you're also diverting it from the landfills where it's going to take forever to decompose because it doesn't have access to light or water in landfills. So actually, as it decomposes, it gives off greenhouse gases. So it's by diverting it from the landfill, you're not only getting rid of those negative aspects, but you're also creating a positive future for it by allowing it to become new soil. Well, it definitely has made me feel better about waste because I mean I didn't think about it before but now that we're talking about this it feels so much better that you know before you had like either the waste or like recycling and you had to decide A or B but now you have this container where you can like throw away like um, tissue or like paper towel yeah. and everything that you're cooking with like the peeling the potato or like an orange or anything that you eat that you didn't finish Everything you know you can put there and it's going to be in a better place. I I personally think the fact that plastics and cardboard ha are getting so complex, like it they're not that many types, but mm -hmm. still you, you gotta go and read the small letter and the symbol and like and this is something that Julia has taught me, like you need to actually look at what symbol it is and some of them can be recycled, some of them can't. But it also depends on what city you're in, what town, and things like this. And I think that is something that needs to be worked out. Like, it's so complex. I wouldn't have... I mean, I, I don't really think it's normal that I have to go into a website right. to look for the symbol that comes into my egg carton to know if I have to throw it to the normal trash or, like, to the recycling or if that can be composted. I mean, you need to do your some research, but I don't expect like 
that many people are willing to spend effort in yeah in quoting like uh studying right like what yeah. can i recycle what can i not yeah and you're absolutely right something i've learned recently is how many people are incredibly lazy when it comes to recycling and having these really complex systems does not help um I mean, it's you can't recycle a straw, for example. And a lot of people do because they think, oh, this is plastic. But that plastic doesn't have an identity. It doesn't have a number on it to tell the recycling company what type of plastic it is so that they can put it into the correct category um, and make it into the same or into the correct type of new plastic. And I mean, recycling isn't perfect either. It's not an excuse for waste. Recycling also has a lot of chemicals involved, um, a lot of water usage. It's better to just use less, but it's also hard when recycling gets overly complicated and people don't then do it correctly. So then recycling companies get all of this recycling that's muddled up with trash and maybe food waste that wasn't cleaned out properly. And now all of a sudden they either have to throw that whole lot away or it just becomes a lot less valuable to them and doesn't incentivize them to continue to recycle. Um, And when it's complicated for us, it doesn't incentivize us to recycle at all. Um, So a lot of people just throw things away. Um, So yeah, we should definitely figure out a way to simplify that. Okay. Now, I'm going to try to ask you some questions and I expect like faster answers. Okay. So Got we're going to go with like a lightning round or something like that. Okay. <laughs> so can you name one thing that having some environmental studies and botany yeah. uh, makes you think different than other people who haven't? Oh man, honestly, everything. I think about everything differently. I don't know how to go into that deeper. Um, botany, I try to appreciate things more. And environmental studies, I try to think of the impact of everything I do. So you went to New Zealand. Did you learn any tricks on traveling light? Yeah, so many. Um, one, on just packing so much less. You don't need a lot of clothing to survive and be happy. Um, how to be creative about reusing different things and repurposing different things. Um, a bandana can be used for 18 different things if you figure that out. How do you, how would you define art in one sentence? Anyone who does art or anything that anyone makes is art. A line on a piece of paper, I truly believe can be art. It's just takes imagination. One thing you hate about technology? That it's very wasteful, that it changes all the time, and that we don't do a good job recycling it. Do you have any techniques to disconnect or impose any restrictions to yourself with technology? Yeah, I would say one, don't buy new technology as soon as it comes out because the slower your computer or phone is, the less you'll use it. And then the, the less you'll waste and the more you'll enjoy life. I love the one of the phone being slower. I have had that so many times. <laughs> What's your relationship with social media? Um, I am both addicted to it, but try not to use it and have pretty much limited it mostly to Facebook Messenger, but not scrolling through the feed and Instagram. But now that I have too many people on Instagram, now all of a sudden I'm less interested because it takes too long. What's harder for you to deal with, digital clutter or physical clutter? Oh man, both. Um, Digital clutter gives me more of a headache because I don't, it's not right in front of my face. So I never go through it and sort it. Um, So I have thousands of pictures that I never go through because they're not right in front of me. Do you have any book recommendations related to what we've been talking about today? Oh man, I wish I'd prepared that. Um, So I would say Flower Confidential by Amy Stewart is one of my favorite books. Um, It goes through the flower industry and the injustices within that, but it also, you can apply it to a lot of different other, or a lot of other different aspects of life. What's your favorite app on your phone? Oh man. I don't even think I have one. I don't have a favorite. Or what's the one that you wish you oh. didn't have to use? 
No, actually, going back to the first question, Maps is my favorite app because I I would get lost all the time without it. And it's good to get lost, maybe, but it also gives me anxiety. <laughs> is there any app that you, on purpose, don't want to install in your phone? Um, I definitely made a conscious decision not to install the Facebook app. And I might be close to deleting Instagram. I'm not sure. If you could have everyone in the world, or at least in the US, read a piece of paper with a sentence, what would it say? I can't think of something that fast. <laughs> um, think about your actions. <laughs> I don't know. Be kind to the world and yourself. I guess don't stop thinking about things as systems and interconnections. Um, both with communities and those who you interact with every day, and then also your actions and how they affect future things as well as past things. Um, I'm thinking of this really abstractly in terms of waste, so I don't know if that makes sense. But How would this read in one sentence? Everything is interconnected and everything has a consequence, and we should try to make those positive. How do you define boredom? I would say boredom is both being understimulated with information and things to do and thoughts, but also can be overstimulated with those things to the extent that you can't focus on any of them. So there's some fine line in there of, well, so I guess fine line of simplifying it and having room to learn more and use your imagination and be busy but not overstimulated so that you can't appreciate all of it. Is there something you can think of that you think makes your life more complex? I would say complex in a bad way would be overthinking what makes me happy instead of just trusting the feeling and following the things and the people who make me happy. How do you distribute your money? Well... A lot of it goes to rent right now. Um, I try to donate like an above average percent. And a lot of it goes to, I would say, like social things, food, um, going to shows, spending money on art and things that have more value than just stuff. And I try to spend as much money as I can on experiences instead of items. Can you name one way in which technology makes your life easier? Yeah, I think it has allowed me to stay connected with a lot of people who I care about and not feel so distant from people, both from friends across the world um, to my mom six hours away to a friend down the street who, if I want to see I can just text her instead of having to like <laughs> I don't know walk down the street I guess um to have her maybe not be home I mean I think it you can flip all of those things um but yeah I would say staying connected with people is the, the biggest so what do you think um healthy relationship with technology looks like yeah I guess just figuring out ways to Use it for good and not get distracted by it. I think it's cool how technology has allowed us to spread information really quickly, to find community um, with other people if we're feeling alone, to learn from people all the time. Um, podcasts we listen to on technology, YouTube videos, we learn about things using technology. There's a lot of beauty in it, but if we can avoid becoming addicted to it and ignoring the other important things in life, then that is a good balance. Is there any new technology that is being developed uh, that scares you? Oh man, I mean a lot of technology scares me because we are addicted to... But, I mean, technology means so many things. I think our minds immediately go to computers and phones and... I, but it also can do good things. It can be cars and solar energy. And um, I mean, technology means everything from the wheel to the microphones that we're using right now. 
Can you think of a purchase of $100 or less that has made an impact on your life lately? <laughs> a book? I don't know. <laughs> a lot of things that are $100 or less. Um, yeah, I can't think of one specifically. I'll give you an example. So Please. for example, for my hobby of sketching, mm. I didn't know that I mean, I hadn't surveyed the market of like scanners mm -hmm. and I bought a really high resolution A4 or letter size for US people <laughs> um, scanner for $80 mm -hmm. and it's made my life so much easier. Like I can now scan <laughs> high resolution without having to take a picture or anything and I know the quality is going to be amazing and yeah. I have the digital file. I agree with you. And I will hopefully benefit from you having that scanner to scan some of my own art. But at the same time, the most simple way of living and the best way of living in my head is still to use a community scanner. So everyone doesn't have their own scanner. Um, that's the most ideal world. What if it was just reused secondhand or something? I mean, it's still not as as sustainable as using well as environmentally sustainable economically sustainable as a whole nother um ball game that is still important but is what i get in arguments with people about but anyway there are a lot of things that make my life better but i it's that i purchase but it's hard to justify always having had to have made that purchase it makes life easier but there's usually a better, more sustainable way to do the same thing and accomplish the same thing, but in a more community-oriented and sustainable way. Okay, before I forget, could you tell the listeners uh, anywhere they can find you online, on like social media or... <laughs> I don't have any social media that I allow open to the public. <laughs> My Instagram is private and that's the only one I use. Um... Yeah, I I literally don't have any way to find me. You can mail me a letter. <laughs> no, um, you can find me through Nono's social media. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, so one second. So before we start uh, wrapping up, yeah, I I want to give you the opportunity um, to I don't know suggest the topic if you want to talk about something or mention something else or ask me something or send a message to people <laughs> um i guess in living with me the past year what are some of the things other than recycling that you've thought more about that you might take with you in your future actions and decisions in my version of simplifying life i guess that's different from yours so i think as you said uh on top of the recycling thing like you've kind of opened my eyes a bit more into like oh these types of plastics uh, make a difference on whether you can uh put them on the recycling or not depending on the city or not and also about like having some more importance on on that right like on the on the process of actually recycling because we are contributing to do things wrong or right um i think another thing that i myself also do uh, is reusing things that maybe you find on the street or somebody else gives you or to fix something uh and buying less right but but probably because you've i knew that already but like you reinforced more even more like why it's problematic for like sending something to the landfill or like emphasizing that on me i think that that's going to be one thing that i take and also i think plants like living with, <laughs> living with plants is something that i have a hate love relationship with like it clutters sometimes it clutters the space but i think it's also a great thing to have like that because it's like having that relationship with nature on, at home mm -hmm. and sometimes even if my clutter the space at some point uh, I think the relationship with plants that makes the space feel a bit more like nature I'm quoting here <laughs> yeah I think that that improves your quality of life like actually having that daily present yeah. in the house 
That's great. I'm so glad that you feel that way. We know no jokes that our kitchen is a jungle. Um, and we definitely have some not pretty dying plants in there that our other roommate and myself are too sad to throw away. <laughs> so he has to deal with that kind of clutter, but I'm glad you don't hate it. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I have a peripheral view of um of like the neighborhood from yeah. my desk and having all these trees here even if i've noticed this that even if i don't leave the apartment on the winter when it's really snowy mm -hmm. i feel that i've been outside because i see people passing i see the trees i see the the sky and and that relationship with like i mean at the end of the day it's nature i mean it's the trees we don't live in the fields but right you know urban cities are the human nature it's like our yeah. nature environment so i think i mean i think that would be i i think i have i will take more things that i can think of right now because mm -hmm. they're there <laughs> and i think this is it i think that's uh i've enjoyed a lot the conversation thanks for having me Cool. Thank you a lot, uh, Julia. And thanks to all the listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Before you go, I'd like to remind you uh, that you can find a detailed list of episode notes at gettingsimple.com forward slash podcast. You can also join uh, Getting Simple at gettingsimple.com forward slash follow. And I would really appreciate if you consider um, rating our podcast on iTunes, as this is the best way for other people to get to know the podcast. And we also have a Patreon page where if you want to support it financially and also um, chipping into some uh, pre-releases of the podcasts and some other content, uh, that would be great. This is at uh, patreon.com forward slash getting simple and you can become a patron. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this was uh, Nono Martinez Alonso uh, on the Getting Simple podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Bye. Bye. Thanks.